Okay, I wanted to get into Canada first, and then we'll talk about Maui also. I just read today in Canada, 43 and a half million acres have burned just this year in Canada alone. It's a record, the most fires you've ever had in acreage. Uh, this picture came up on the internet, so I had to share it. Here the roadway collapsed with all the steel girders, the guardrails, everything. And I'm sure there was no fuel underneath of it, but this lake or river. How in the heck could a bridge fail like that? And we will get into that later. What's happening is the steel I-beams and guardrails are being superheated. Um, and any wood part or portion of the bridge burns up because of close proximity. They're not burning from no normal flames that we know of. This is somewhere in Canada also. Um, to your left is some type of outbuilding that's just burned up completely, leaving only the metals. The car has been just toasted. All the paint's gone. The windows have melted out. To achieve that, they have to start melting at 2,500 degrees, which never happens. And to flow and pour down onto the uh, dashboard, it's well above 2,500 degrees. This was a very good picture I found. There's your plastic swimming pool. Not a hole in it. And your media giants in America say, well, the flying embers, they burn everything. Why is that swimming pool still there? Not a hole in it. And the little wood building there didn't burn up either. And here's your vehicles. Windows melted out. Um, so I'm getting into the materials more. I'm not sure where all these are, but they're in Canada. Here a house is missing. The forest is dead, but not burned. And here's the kid's play structure made of wood. I think a plastic roof, <laughs> untouched. Everything that is burning in these fires shouldn't be burning, and everything that's not burning should be. It's opposite world. More of the same. Plastic kids' play structures unaffected unless there happens to be some metals right next to them. In just a moment, Tanya will be having a conversation with our special guest speaker. And my friends, we are so pleased that Robert is able to join us once again on the Empower Hour to talk more about his insights and the forensic evidence he's gathering regarding the massive fires that have been ignited in North America. Robert is a certified arborist with 20 years of experience, and he's been studying the plant kingdom for the last 48 years. In addition, Robert has investigated dozens of fire aftermaths, where he has determined that only three were of natural causes. More recently, Robert has reported on the Maui and BC fires, so we look forward to hearing more about that. And now, will you all please help me welcome tonight's special guest speaker. Hello, Robert. Thank you for joining us today, and welcome to the Empower Hour. Well, hello. It's nice to be back here. <laughs> Good to have you back. Thank you, Heather. Oh, Robert, the last time you were on, uh, that's got to be, what, six or two months ago, I think. And uh, since then, much has happened uh, in the world, in Maui, in Canada. Uh, we've been hit very hard with fires being set here. So we're very, very happy to have you back uh, to, to do a deeper dive 
into what is going on in Canada. And one of the things that I forgot to uh, mention uh, when I was going through the weekly update, but I think it'd be more appropriate to do this on the Empower Hour. Trenzio, do you think I could share my screen for just a moment? Sure thing. Can you bring that up? Okay, I just wanted to show one of the headlines that recently came out. Canadian fire chiefs deliver climate change message to United Nations following devastating season. And so they're going on throughout the article to blame this on climate change. I don't know who this fire chief is, or I believe it was the other one was an assistant chief, but I think they need to be called out. Um, are they going along with this propaganda? Because the next headline is media blames climate change for Canadian wildfires despite arrest of multiple arsonists. I mean, the RCMP and the media have already reported amply that this is definitely um, the majority of all of these fires were not natural and were set by arson. Okay, thank you, uh, Terenzio. And so, uh, Robert, I'm looking forward to your presentation, as are our viewers. And I just want to remind everyone uh, links and information. If you're watching this later on our Rumble channel, please be sure to subscribe to our Rumble channel. But you can find all of the links we'll be talking about in the description as well. Okay, Robert, my friend, over to you. Okay. Um, well, glad to be on here. Um, I guess I'll introduce myself first. Many of your viewers have already heard me speak uh, a few months back. I've been studying the plant kingdom for 48 years in California. All the native plants, trees, shrubs, wildflowers, vines, and ferns. It's just been my hobby. And usually a scientific book in my hand, learning them all. It's been fun. Climbing 130 mountains in my lifetime and botanizing the whole way. And also cooking on campfires, more of... Instead of using my mountain stove, I'd like to have a, a warm campfire at night. And I've had those fires from sea level to at least 12,000 feet in the high Sierra. Um, I've walked many fire aftermaths and stepped over all the logs trying to get down the trail. And I know what they look like. And uh, seven years ago, I saw in Santa Rosa, California, all the homes were missing, turned to white ash. And what I saw was trees, trees everywhere, untouched or so it appeared. And I will get to those photos here shortly. Uh, what I was gonna start with is this photograph off the internet. It's an old photo, black and white. This is what real fire aftermath looked like. When you have a firestorm come through and fires up in the top of the conifers and whatever species of trees they may be, they burn everything. They leave rarely a stick, just blackened poles at different heights. And sometimes a lot less. Sometimes it's short stumps. And like on the left here, the poles are even convoluted and burned into the wood. This is the way they're supposed to look. This is what I've always seen until seven years ago. <laughs> and then it rocked my world seeing some new photos that made no sense to me. This one, I was designing a hike up north. And I wanted to do some hiking. And for whatever reason, this came up because I was looking at the Santa Rosa area, this came up and it made no sense to me. How could houses be white ash, but yet all the trees are there, even between houses? Many of these are eucalyptus, pines, Douglas fir, cedars, spruce, fir, many flammable trees, but they didn't burn up. A few did, but mostly they're all green. And, uh, 
it was shock treatment. So I had to go up there. I waited a couple months when they put the fire out. I went up there and um, analyzed the place for a whole day. And nothing was normal. <laughs> I looked at everything, all the trees, plants, and nothing was normal. And then I saw the pictures of paradise, which is on the screen now. The mobile home parks. There was 10 mobile home parks in Paradise, California. All 10 were burned to the ground. But yet the pine trees remained. Horrible pine, uh, horrible fires everywhere burned these mobile homes to the ground, leaving the axles and a little bit of sheet metal. But yet the ponderosa pine <laughs> were turned a little bit brown or a light shade of green. They weren't burned up. Uh, for anybody that doesn't know, in, in California, we our number one forest tree is a ponderosa pine. It's in most of our plant communities, um, up to probably six, maybe 7,000 feet in the high Sierra. It burns more often than any other species in the state. Well, during this fire, it didn't happen. And uh, we'll go over why that happened uh, shortly. I'm borrowing this picture off the Internet. Uh, I thought it was Santa... Uh, Santa Barbara or San Diego, I'm not sure where. But in this residential area, the houses are gone, leaving scrap metal and barely any black. But yet behind them are eucalyptus. The most combustible leaves I know are eucalyptus. And they're close to the houses on both sides. Also, there's trees between the houses. They're brown, but they're not burned up. What kind of fire can be that hot to decimate a house to white ash? but not burn the trees. Hard to call it a forest fire when the forest doesn't burn. Any questions so far? No questions? All right. Can everybody hear me okay? Okay. Uh, here's a picture in paradise. Uh, the trees did not burn up. The aluminum rims on these vehicles, they melted out and are flowing down the dirt gutter there um, as if they were in a foundry. There's no combustible materials on the ground that warrants that kind of melting. And also, why is the car upside down? This happened in 9-11 also. There was cars stacked on top of each other upside down. Um, none of our winds in these fires could lift this 4,000-pound car and turn it upside down. That wouldn't happen. Okay, I wanted to get into Canada first, and then we'll talk about Maui also. Um, I'm not sure where all these fires were in Canada, although I just read today in Canada, 43.5 million acres have burned just this year in Canada alone. It's a record, the most fires you've ever had, an acreage. Uh, this picture came up on the internet, so I had to share it. Here the roadway collapsed with all the steel girders, the guardrails, everything, and I'm sure there was no fuel underneath of it but this lake or river. How in the heck could a bridge fail like that? And we will get into that later. What's happening is the steel I-beams and guardrails are being superheated. Um, and any wood part or portion of the bridge burns up because of close proximity. 
they're not burning from no normal flames that we know of. This happened down south of me, down in Malibu, California. There was a bridge here, and a, a same thing, a creek underneath with leaves everywhere, and the steel girders under the road have bent and swayed, and the tar had melted and fallen through into the creek. And as you can see, the trees are uh, dead but not burned. Sorry, it's a blurry photo. I took this off the internet. I wanted to show what is going on with these steel girders. How could they heat up to these heat uh, temperatures and sway and sag like that? Um, this is somewhere in Canada also. Um, to your left is some type of outbuilding that's just burned up completely, leaving only the metals. The car has been just toasted. All the paint's gone. The windows have melted out. To achieve that, they have to start melting at 2,500 degrees, which never happens. And to flow and pour down onto the uh, dashboard, it's well above 2,500 degrees. Um, aluminum rims that you saw in the last couple of photos, they melt out at 1,221 degrees. They never melt out either. Um, they're at ground level, and there's no combustible materials even close to them. A couple rubber hoses in your engine compartment, belts, and some seat cushions isn't enough to melt your windshield or your aluminum rims. Uh, one of the things I noted here was the rim laying on that plywood. The plywood got real, or the rim got really hot, burned the tire up completely, the rubber's gone, and it made a perfect arc around the plywood there, but it didn't continue burning the plywood. It just went out. Uh, tells me the metal itself is on fire. Those are steel rims, not aluminum. The steel rims I've not seen melted out yet. And in the background, you see a forest that looks like it's a little burned, but it's mostly dead and not burned up. This is the way I find my windshields. Um, I've seen somewhere between six and 800 cars or automobiles. Every window, without exception, have been melted out like this. And I have a couple of fire captain friends that are on YouTube analyzing Paradise, California. Both great friends of mine now. They've said in their 60 combined years, they've never seen a window melt out. Yet every auto I've seen has been melted out like this. Even when the vehicle is sitting by itself on the road or out in the dirt with zero combustible materials around it. This is up in Canada also. Your rubber tires are completely gone. Windows are melted out. There's only metals left. And rarely I will find blackened uh, wood of any kind. I will find them a little bit, but not that much. Uh, the paint's always gone. Let's uh, see. Uh, this is in Canada also. The whole forest is dead, but I can't say it's burned up except for the one tree right in front. That looks more like a normal fire, but I would equate that to the ambient heat from this building that's missing. It burned to the ground, and the two blackened poles were the closest thing to it, so they did burn up. The cars melted out again. The aluminum rims are flowing away, but there's that forest. It didn't burn up. It didn't. Hard to call it a forest fire when the needles of the trees did not burn up. This is also Canada, and I, I kept this one because of the trees in the background. 
It's kind of like they're slow cooking, but they won't ignite. And on a forest fire, the biggest thing that's burning on any forest fire is the needles or leaves. Um, but that's not happening. Any of these pictures, you won't find the whole forest burned up. This is also in Canada. Uh, houses missing, brown trees everywhere, but they really didn't burn up. More of the same, this house is just missing. I kind of say they're missing now. I usually don't say they're burned up. Here's one back in the forest. Which way did the fire come from? If it's a forest fire, it didn't come down this driveway where the greenery is. And every side back there, there's dead trees, but they're not burned up. Nope. What I see very often in these aftermaths is plastics that are not melted or burned up. Here on the far left, you have the swimming pool plastic on the inside that did not burn up. I find that quite often and other materials that I'll get to here. Whole forest is dead, but not burned up. There's a spruce tree on the left over there behind the pool. That's in the pine family. That should have burned up. It didn't happen. Another car melted out. This one had steel rims. Um, you see the windshield gone, all the windows completely gone. This is the way I find the rims. They'll either chunk out in pieces or they'll melt and flow away from the vehicle going downhill. And they'll keep flowing sometimes 20 feet away when there's nothing out there on the pavement to keep them liquefied. But yet there they are at 1,221 degrees or more to keep on flowing. So the metals are getting superheated far beyond any wood combustion fire that we know of. This was in Canada also. The fire was here, and here's some paper. Didn't want to burn that day. Tried to burn a little bit, just didn't want to burn. I see this a lot. Lots of materials like this. Another one up north, uh, a mugo pine, a little pine there in the foreground is a mugo pine with a dwarf Alberta spruce, the conical-shaped one. Um, and the whole background, leaves, 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 and more leaves. But the house is missing. This is happening worldwide. This was a very good picture I found. There's your plastic swimming pool. Not a hole in it. And your media giants in America say, well, the flying embers, they burn everything. Why is that swimming pool still there? Not a hole in it. And the little wood building there didn't burn up either. And here's your vehicles. Windows melted out. Um, so I'm getting into the materials more. I'm not sure where all these are, but they're in Canada. Here a house is missing, the forest is dead but not burned, and here's the kid's play structure made of wood. I think a plastic roof, <laughs> untouched. Everything that is burning in these fires shouldn't be burning, and everything that's not burning should be. It's opposite world. More of the same, plastic kid's play structures unaffected unless there happens to be some metals right next to them. And the forest is dead, but not burned. I kept this one for the, the background, of course. No trees are burned except for the one in the middle on the left. But mostly down at the bottom. This is a wooden fence. Notice the burn on the wood slats that fell out on the sidewalk. They burned in these little black spots. That's where the attachment points are, the nails. The nails themselves are on fire. It should have burned the whole post. Didn't happen just the, the metals that are in the fence. 
That trampoline got burned up because I think it was too close to the house. Mostly I will find trampolines intact with only a few holes in them. A synthetic like that, that should have burned up quickly. Uh, that one was a little different. Still trees around, unburned. Um, not sure of this location either. Here a whole building has gone. And all your cars are toasted. Aluminum rims are out. Windows are out. The background has trees everywhere. And across the canyon, there's some more areas that are burned up. But the trees did not burn up. Not a forest fire in the least. Um, and how'd the fire get here? I guess it crossed this huge dirt area. Because the other side, it's got some black. But the trees didn't burn up. Even ones that have the needles very low to the ground, they should have ignited, but they didn't. This was a, boy, this is a, a really good photograph. I guess they've replaced this section of train track that was uh, bent like this. There's no fire I know that could have bent this steel. All the wood uh, slats that go across, the uh, timbers that cross underneath the tracks, a rubber ties. Those should have been burned up. They're made of wood. Creosote or not, they should have burned up. If they didn't, what the heck bent those tracks? I could make a bonfire on these tracks. They'd never contort and twist like this. No way. Never. So what could have bent these things? The wood didn't burn up, so that couldn't have done it. Where did the heat source come from to bend these tracks? Uh... These things are almost superstructures. They don't bend. Uh, so the steels, metals, they're all being superheated. Um, that's all I have on Canada. But all these pictures are similar. It doesn't matter where I am in the world looking at photos. Greece, Spain, Portugal, England, China, Australia. It doesn't matter where. It's the same technology that we're being attacked with. And... Um, we think about our wood fires. Well, they burn the organic matter and houses that are made of wood. There's butane, propane, acetylene. But none of those can do this. They can't turn this whole area to white ash and forget to burn the trees. The only thing I can come up with is some type of microwave technology. Many of your people have already studied this. The metals are getting superheated. And if a tree isn't, is out in the open, away from metals, the trees are left alone. They may be cooked from the inside out, but I can't say they're burned up. This new technology is pretty frightening. So here we are in uh, the city of Lanai, Lahaina, and uh, on the island of Maui. Here's the giant ficus. Uh, I believe they said it's a banyan tree or Benjamin figs, one of the ficus. It's one tree with aerial roots that come down hit the ground, and turn into another trunk. The thing will spread like that for a quarter acre or a half acre or even more. One tree. The building in front is toasted. The roof's gone. The windows are gone. Everything's completely burned out. 360 degrees around this tree is completely burned up. How did it forget to burn the tree? And the even palm trees around there are very wilted, but they didn't burn up. Looking at close, this is a very clear picture. How could that building get that incredibly hot and not do much damage to the tree? I believe the whole tree is wilted, cooked from the inside out. 
but not necessarily burned up except for 15 feet around the building. That's it. Um, I have hopes that it will grow back, but most trees I see that get, get cooked like this are dead. They're cooked from the inside out. But uh, the jury's out on that. Hopefully this tree will grow back. I know a lot of people love this old specimen tree. And these are some of the streets now in Maui. It's hard to find black ash anywhere. Um, most fires, you have black everywhere. Forest fires have black all over, even burned up houses in a residential area. When you do find them, there's black everywhere. Not in these new fires. These trees, uh, these homes are burned down to white ash. And a tree on the far right, I don't know the species there, I can't tell. Uh, it looks like it's kind of dead, but it did not burn up. Same with these. The cars are toasted, the windows are gone, the aluminum rims are melted out, and yet those trees, those darn trees, refuse to burn. This is a new technology we're experiencing. Who knows when they invented it? They used it, a form of it at least, on 9-11. Because a lot of those cars look the same as this, toasted, like Judy Wood would say. Here a house is missing, and behind it are eucalyptus trees. They are very flammable. They maybe they burned a little bit. I believe they had dead limbs on them already, and the greens lower down. They should have burned up, and they didn't. Uh, the El Camino or Ranchero vehicle there is half burned up, which is rare. I usually don't see that. Perhaps the firemen got there quick and put that out. But even then, the windows are melted out already. And on your left is a plastic garbage can, the only one I found on all the Hawaiian pictures. They generally come into these places just before or after the fire, close the towns off or the areas, and take all the um, evidence, that's what I call it, plastics, synthetics, rubber hoses, anything that didn't burn that should have, or even other items on the property. Just take everything away so the public won't see it. These plastic garbage cans are hard to find. Even the 38 aftermaths I've gone to, um, Usually they're way down the hill in the backyard where they're not using them for garbage anymore, and the people removing them do not see them. I find them because I walk around everywhere, and they are untouched unless they're in very close proximity to metals. Also a wood fence right next to it. That didn't really want to burn up either. So your organic matter is not really on fire much, just the metals. Oh, and those are eucalyptus leaves right there. I can tell by the branch structure on the ground. Most combustible leaves I know are from the eucalyptus genus. It's a very large genus. Here's an aerial shot, I believe, unless there's a building that is tall. You see all white houses just gone down to white ash, but I see trees. Some are burned, and some are just super wilted. As far as you can see, they're all about the same color. Um, a new type of forest fire that forgets to burn the, the trees. I want to talk about the boats because that, that has been coming up, and also the blue color. I have not studied the blue. Perhaps there's some truth to that. But what are these boats on fire for? Did their flying ashes go 100 yards out into the bay and ignite a boat that has plastics and metals and aluminums and rarely any wood on these, new, these old boats? That one, and this is the glass bottom boat I've, I've heard. That's anchored out there in the middle of the bay. 
So I believe they're using the weapons broadly, and uh, they're burning up boats also. I can't. I don't have a clue why that's happening. Um, I had to put this in there. This was in California at a a reservoir called Whiskey Town Reservoir near the city of Redding, California. Um, a couple of years back, the car fire. Um, we noticed the boats burned at the ends of the dock. Both docks here at the ends, they burned up. The boats got fried pretty bad, and the wood's kind of intact out there. <laughs> Didn't burn up completely. Almost like the fire was on the other side of the lake, and the lake... I don't know, half the lake seemed to burn up, but it didn't go farther. Although down below me, there's pine trees here. That's a digger pine or gray pine of California. Didn't burn up. I just wanted to show the contrast. This is happening everywhere, not just uh, on Maui. The boat on the far left is just burned up. This is a, uh, nearby, This uh, just down at the dock level. What does that to a boat? Way out here. The trees are far away. What kind of embers came out here and burned these boats up? The trees didn't burn. You can see them all back there. Mostly those are digger pine, ponderosa pine. Those are the two. And then uh, there's another one, a knobcone pine. I know what the trees are just by looking at them from a distance. Can't trick me. And this is also on Maui. I don't know where, but this came up on Maui. The house is gone. Whatever else he had here. No trees are burned up. They're just dried out brown or even black leaves, but they refuse to ignite. It's a whole new type of forest fire or weapon. Um, been a lot of talk about the blue. Like I said, I can't remark on the blue or not. What I see is synthetic umbrellas with no holes in them, maybe a little bit melted on the side. And here the building's been burned up and just leaving metals, and the simple little synthetics would not burn up. What happened to their flying embers theory? I hear that so much. Somebody needs to be slapped that says that flying embers. And there's your palm trees. A dead leaf on a palm tree I can light on fire with a cigarette lighter. And nobody goes around cleaning up every single palm tree and making them look pristine. So I know a percentage of the leaves were dead hanging straight down. They're very flammable, like a grass. They didn't burn that day. Even in this one. All these palm trees, um, perhaps they're all dead. I don't know. They might regenerate. A very sharp, crisp picture. Uh, building right behind the car is missing. <laughs> the organic matter refused to burn. And the car is just completely toasted, like it was hit by lightning for an hour. <laughs> uh, I've never seen anything like this in my wildest dreams. I think everybody's seen the Jeep. Even the tin hood melted out. Uh, for the metals, the, even the light metals, they have to get up to 2,750 degrees and more to start melting them. Um, so the, all the windows gone, aluminum rims melted out, and it's sitting out in the street. Many of these cars are all by themselves with nothing around them. Nothing. Even these, how far apart they are. And um, I believe that's a cat. I thought it was just some blackened embers, but it has legs. So, and I heard there was a cat somewhere. So sorry about that, folks. Uh, the cat didn't even know what hit him. It got cooked from the inside out and caught on fire. I hope it went quickly. 
Another very good picture showing the devastation. Every car the same. And I heard the there was a fire on the water where people were trying to go in the ocean and save themselves. And along the shoreline, there was fire in the water. I don't believe it's a gas leak, diesel or gas or oil, anything. I believe the water itself was on fire, like all these other areas. And I was going to talk about water. We'll get to the water soon. Water um, uh, moves your electrical co- currents fast. Um, like dropping a toaster in the <laughs> like dropping a toaster in the bathtub when you're in it is plugged in. That's what the electrical currents do. And many of these creeks that I find, the um, trees in that area or riparian corridor, they're all dead and cooked from the inside out where they hold all their water. And these fires will stay in the creek bed and not climb up the bank and burn the mountain down. They'll go a quarter mile staying in the creek area. Um, So there's a lot of electrical current in these low areas where there's a lot of moisture. And I I just believe the water, the ocean water was on fire itself. And it was no gas or diesel or oil. I just don't believe that. And that's my two cents on that. Um, Another home burned to the ground. Eucalyptus in the background, untouched. Probably dead, though. And I knew I would find some play structures. They've cleaned it up pretty well, but some people are getting into Maui and they're taking pictures and putting them on the internet. So I found this plastic. Usually that's already taken out and taken away either to a dump site or possibly they're putting them on barges and getting them off the islands completely. They don't want evidence laying around. And that's every aftermath I go to. So here is... What I shared before, I'm going to put some of those photos on here for contrast. This is Greenville, California, where we had the million-acre Dixie fire. All the plastics in town were removed. These happened to be behind a wall where you couldn't see them from the street. Because I walked all the streets and I looked around. I found the only plastics I found all day were in this one yard. They're a little bit melted, and I believe there's some metals uh, next to them. But they didn't burn up. And in the background is a piece of two-by-four wood. Didn't burn up. This was paradise three years later. The trees are there. <laughs> the little plastic dog igloo didn't burn up. Many anomalies, even three years later, because I couldn't get up there earlier. I'm not sure where this is. Same technology. Every window, every aluminum rim always melted out. A hundred percent. In Central California, in a place called Lake Sonoma, we had some fire in the, it's a coastal range with the tallest tree in the world. The coastal redwood here, and the second tallest, Douglas fir, uh, where it has a number on it, P2. Douglas fir actually happens to be the second tallest tree in the world. And it's the king of the pine family, largest of the whole pine family. They didn't burn up that day. All the needles were on them. The trunks are blackened, but the most important thing here was all the plastics. There were three or four houses or cabins in this area that were burned to the ground. They collected all their plastics and wood in there, I see, and they stockpiled them here to get ready to truck them off-site so nobody would see the evidence of the unburned materials. I can find these usually somewhere if I get to the fire quick enough. 
and they don't cordon them off. This came from the internet. It was somewhere in California. Same scenario. All the plastics. Wow. And the house up there, all that's left is the stonework, all the brick. The whole top's missing. The windows are gone. Another thing I don't find is windows from homes. I don't find them. I believe they're melting up too. I don't find shattered glass all over from the, the home's windows. I forgot about that. It's a new anomaly I have to look at more often. That's on the internet. Everybody's seen it, I'm sure. House is gone. The plastic slide's just okay. This is an aerial shot of paradise. These are mostly ponderosa pine and white fir, the two most prevalent trees in the state of California. And they would burn the most, of course, out of the whole state. Here, uh, there are 60 to 80 foot tall second growth trees, and all the houses are just missing. They're gone. There's even some plastic bins in the court. You see the plastic bins. I have a friend that lived up there and a couple other folks that visited right after the fire, and they said none of the plastic bins were melted. Uh, whoever's doing the cleanup, they were sloppy there seven years or six, seven years ago. They didn't take all the plastics away. Now it's hard to find them anywhere I go, and I don't see melted puddles of plastic on the ground ever. So there you go. Homes are gone, and the pines are dead, but they didn't burn up. Didn't happen. That's an aerial picture of paradise. I want people to show me the burned-up trees. There's a few Italian cypress on the left they planted in a row. Those seem to burn for some reason. But the whole forest is there, and the homes are just missing. Never seen this in my entire life. I've walked the whole state. I've backpacked everywhere. I've learned every tree in the state. I know which trees burn, which ones don't. And they all burn in my little tiny campfire. These are eucalyptus. Big Basin State Park in California, where we have a grove of redwood trees. They burned the whole park and took it away from us. And here I have the Pacific Ocean behind me. I'm standing on Highway 1 looking at the eucalyptus. These trees I can light on fire with a cigarette lighter in my hand. A green leaf on the tree. No exception. Here the fire went under the trees, forgot to burn the leaves. <laughs> uh, incidentally, they closed that park. They opened it two years later. They don't take cash anymore. You have to get online reservations to go out and play. You can't visit the park. Just drive in and pay your $10. You have to get on the computer and get your day-use permit to go out and play. They're doing this everywhere, even Yosemite National Park. I have a senior citizen pass. That doesn't matter. I still have to get on the computer and get my day-use permit. So they're pushing this everywhere. And they won't take cash here either. And there are a few naturalists and firemen that were on site. I talked to them and I got nowhere. They didn't have a clue what I was even talking about when I spoke about the fires. This is your giant blue gum eucalyptus. In 33 years of doing trees, I've never seen a hole, a cavity inside of any species of eucalyptus. They compartmentalize their wounds very, very well and seal up and make some heartwood which is dead tissue. Here, this thing, it's seven feet tall laying on its side. I, I walked all the way around the stump. It's also, this is in cattle country where they, it's late, this is September. The grass is only an inch tall, perhaps. They have to bring the hay truck up there to throw hay out to feed the animals because there's not enough uh, 
grass for them to eat. How could this giant thing burn at the bottom like this and then fall over? No leaves were burned, and it was about 130 feet tall and maybe eight feet in diameter at the base. Well, the answer is right behind it is one of these T-posts that you see on the right, that there's a T-post right behind it up against the trunk, or was until it bent. How hot did that T-post get to do this kind of damage? And I'm standing on a paved road. There's almost zero combustible materials anywhere near, but yet this thing cooked from the inside out. A Kincaid fire up north also. Any tree growing over the road that looked black, they cut them down. They were all hollow and burned from the inside out. This is either a coast live oak or a California bay leaf, which is in the avocado family or laurel family. They hold a ton of water. The water heats up the fastest in a microwave, opposed to pine sap, which heats up a little bit slower, even though it's more flammable or combustible. Pine sap, you get to the right temperature. It really ignites and burns a tree, a forest tree down. But one of these, it's almost pure water. There should be no flammability here. Yet, these are the first to burn from the inside out, whatever holds the most water, whether it's drought tolerant or not. Uh, there's a mobile home park in our California Delta waterways. This happens to be a mulberry tree. <laughs> it's in the same family as your fig trees from Hawaii. When you cut off a branch, it has white, sappy juice. Same family. They both hold tons of water in a, a white, sappy, consistent sap. This guy, you could cut it to the ground. It would grow back. An extreme water-holding capacity tree. It was in some type of lawn area. And the lawn looked like it burned up a little bit, but the weeds everywhere else did not burn. To me, it looks like lightning bolts hit it all day long, and it almost just exploded. A lot of water, though, so I believe it cooked from the inside out, which it looks like. And all the bark, I guess, flew off or burned off. This was looked like a lightning strike from 12,000 feet in the High Sierra. Unbelievable. This is a blue oak. Um, Above the foothill grassy plains, we have a, a blue oak forest. This is a young tree. It's not very old. It should not have a cavity in it. But there it is, burned from the inside out. And generally at the ground level, last year in July, we had a fire near Auburn, California, on the way to the Lake Tahoe. A huge one, the mosquito fire, they called it. All the trees are dead. They did not burn up. And I wanted to speak about the cambium layer, the growth layer of all your plants and trees. It's just inside the bark. And there's some real active fluids in it. In pines, it's sappy. In water trees, it's more you know, liquidy. Well, I believe that's what's on fire. Because if you look at the ponderosa pine on the right, those are perhaps 75, 80 feet high. They're only black on the trunks. The needles would not ignite. The number one thing that burns is your needle. And many of these are touching the ground. So I think your cambial fluids are on fire in the trees, and that's only because of the water content or sap content. But the trees are not burning up. They're not. And you see the cars, same technology. This is the way I find almost every tire. All your black uh, rubber uh, tires is missing, and you just see this black, hard I guess pure carbon or whatever is left, and a slinky-like uh, steel belts in a pile. That's 99% of what I find. 
Then I find this. And it's in the same area, which doesn't compute. So I lift it up to play devil's advocate. And I look on the ground. There's a circle where it's been sitting for a year or, or much longer. Nobody just rolled it there and set it down. And I can't figure out why this didn't even melt, burn, disfigure in any way. Then I see this. I change lenses and put my close-up lens on. Polyester cord. I believe there's one steel cord in it on the lip here to secure it to the rim of the car. But other than that, it's all rubber and polyester. These, every time I look at them, it says polyester cord. This is one of the best uh, pieces of evidence I have. Um, A normal forest fire would just burn them all up and probably leave some rubber here and there. It's one or the other, like that or just missing. Never a partially burned tire. I've seen a couple thousand tires by now. Sometimes I go to a house where there are a hoarder of car parts, and there's tires everywhere, piles. Then I see one of these. Unbelievable. The big basin redwoods over on our coast. To my left is a house that's missing, a plastic swimming pool that didn't melt, and here's your canopy again with a glass table underneath. All the tree trunks are blackened, but the needles didn't burn. Although redwood trees are very, very fire-retardant, still, when you put their needles in a little fire or a firestorm, they burn up. And the trees sucker back, as you see in the background. They're suckery green up and down the redwood trunks. They will regenerate, luckily for us. Uh, but here's your canopy. Uh, no holes in it. I'm waiting for the flying embers to put the holes in it. They're lying. Every time the media opens their mouth about this flying embers, it's just a lie. And if they are flying, they're not uh, normal flames that we know of. They're something else. There's not a hole in that thing, and it's doubtful they're made of asbestos. This is another famous shot of mine. The mobile home parked out in our California Delta. The whole mobile home's gone. This is the little deck in front, and that's the door frame that you open up to walk inside your mobile home. Why is the only wood there not black or burned? even on the side of the door. It was very, very hot to do this kind of damage to this mobile home. Why is that deck not black at all? Shows you we're dealing with a different flame. And there's other things in here, a little duster, a gas can, whatever else. Still, that should be burned up and gone. It's not happening. And around California, at least, um, there's five or six people they're putting in jail and they're accusing them of starting these fires. This is one of those places, the Fawn Fire out of Redding, California. I guess two years ago now, they took a blonde lady, blonde hair, and they put her in jail and said, she did it. She couldn't have started this fire in her wildest dreams. What kind of wood post burns only at the nails and then goes out between the nails? This whole fence line looked like this, and I was here this last February. It's still there. They haven't seen it. And they pinned it on this poor lady, and I think they're brainwashing her into thinking she really did do it, and she couldn't have done it. Uh Uh-uh. This is near Yosemite, a Mariposa town. Uh, The fire there was called the Oak Fire. An old botanist lady lived up here on the side, and everybody said she had flowers everywhere, and she had to run for her life and get out of there. And her whole property's burned up, but not the trees. They're just dead. And somebody made this fence line, This is actually the top board. It goes across a homemade fence. 
And if you look close, every burn spot has a, a nail, a little brad nail or something, a little tiny nail. Some fell out when I was moving it around to get a better picture. What kind of fire <laughs> uh, ignites the nails and only burns the wood as an after effect? This is why I call it microwave technology. I may be wrong, but that's the closest I can get. I'm not a metal expert by any means. A normal wood fire would have burned the thing and dropped the nails on the ground. That's not happening. My girlfriend saw this one at Big Basin. Five feet off the ground, only where the nails are. That's what caught on fire. Nowhere else. So that's what I've got to share today. This is my last picture, just one of my mountain travels. I just want to thank you so much for your presentation. Uh, yes, absolutely, there are questions. So let's just not miss a beat and get to those. If anybody else has a question, you can go down below and uh, put it in the Q&A. And uh, we've got a team that's um, posting those to myself. So I'll just start at the top here. Mm -hmm. Oh, I just saw one there that I can answer right away. Uh, okay, go somebody, for it. Somebody wrote, Robert, I thought Douglas Fur is... Uh, has a scientific name in the fur family. Furs are in the pine family also. There's nine different genera in the pine family, and Douglas fir are the tallest of the nine different genera. All right. Um, one of the questions is, is how did the media cover these fires? Uh, did they explain it as average forest fires? Most of the majority of what you're... Well, we know what happened in Maui, <laughs> but prior to that, before more public awareness. Yeah. I don't have a TV anymore for 10 years, so I have to hear other people's TV. And I always hear the term climate change and and fire embers getting under the eaves and arsonists and poor forest, forest management, not raking the forest and all, all these lies. Every one of them is a lie. Zero truth out of our media. But um, I think I usually hear the word climate crisis or climate change in all different media. That's just what they're they're told to say. It has well, nothing to do with uh, with starting the fire. What started the fire? A clear yeah. on a clear day, fires are starting everywhere. No clouds, right. no thunder. Yeah, they are the propaganda arm of uh, the globalists for a reason, right? And it's to try to keep people under their thumb. And uh, deception is is the main part of their game. Uh, but think think. Goodness, you know, there's they're becoming more transparent and citizens are waking up. Uh, we do need more of them to wake up soon because uh, this is becoming quite a critical issue. Uh, it was really hard to watch uh, some portions of your presentation just purely because of all of the devastation. And I know there was that one cat or dog in the street, but uh, we know that throughout the forest, throughout the towns, uh, people died in their cars with their families and uh, people got to pay for this. There's going to need to be justice, and it's a good thing that all of these things are being recorded uh, because they'll they will prove as evidence. Okay, uh, what tech do you think we can use in the moment to test the ground to see the anomalies via instruments and tools? Is there anything that you know of? I would I wouldn't know. Um, I really wouldn't know what it would be. I just you know I get out there and I know every plant I see so. I see what the fire has done to affect it and how much mm -hmm. of an effect it's had on the given plant, whether it makes some sense to me or not. Um, I have no idea as far as testing the ground to see what if it has more aluminum or barium or strontium or anything like that. And even I've heard some people want to take soil samples 
Where would you take them? Even the private labs are being watched. You take it to a private lab to have the soil analyzed. And I almost guarantee everyone is being watched to see what goes in, what goes out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, it's yeah. a very it's a very good point. There's surveillance everywhere. They don't want you know the evidence. We've seen that with the uh, COVID jab wasn't experimental at all. They knew exactly what that was going to do to humanity, and uh, they continue to promote this. But thank goodness there. There are uh, doctors in labs or doctors or uh, researchers who have their own labs. They're doing their own research and they haven't been able to stop them. And I'm hoping, you know, that the same thing will happen with this. With 5G towers, with electric uh, magnetic frequencies, you know, we have gadgets that can measure those. And so I'm sure that somebody will come up with a way to measure whether it's the metals, how they're being affected. I found what you were saying about the water being on fire uh, as, as a great interest. And while we were doing a little bit of research on the Kelowna fire, Shushwap fires, there were people who were being told to turn off their electricity and also to turn off their water. And if it's actually a conductor with metal, it would be interesting to know, even in that, was there something more sinister? Was there a reason that they would have been doing that? Is that is that anything where you can provide us a little um, more information on it? No, all I can say is if That's they a- want everybody to have some power for a while, maybe they need more power for their weapon, their trillion <laughs> watt laser. I don't know. Uh, no idea. A lot of that's just fear factor. Get everybody on board to believe mm-hmm. in their whole agenda, their false narrative, if you will. And yeah. most people do. And the, the, the interesting thing was, it was to turn off the water and the electricity, but leave the gas on. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. Okay, um, is it your opinion that this disruptive technology is space-based, airborne, or land-based, or all three? Like, do you have any gut feeling, you know, opinion? I, I know it would just be opinion, but... <laughs> yeah, it, it is. So we've seen the videos with the lasers. They've got them on everything that flies, floats, has tracks or wheels. They've got lasers on everything. Uh, and yeah, there could be jets or planes. But I got together with the two fire captains and the great Deborah Tavares, which is a friend of mine now. And we get together and talk, and all we can come up with is satellites. That sounds far-fetched. I know it does. But what else could move along consistently through a whole town and keep on going? Plane flies over and keeps going. It has to circle around and come back. Um and if we heard planes, people would say, hey, a plane keeps coming over or a helicopter or whatever. We actually think they're satellites. And Reagan talked about it in the 80s. I was in my 20s, and he says, we're developing our Star Wars defense system. Well, the defense system is to keep the people from knowing what the super rich are doing. It's, it's them against us. There's no boogeyman in another country coming to get us. The boogeyman is our own government. Always has been. Yeah, uh, so, I, I yeah, agree. Our biggest guess would would be satellites, but we don't know delivery systems. It's just a, a guess. Right. It would be military-based, I'm sure. Uh, oh, yeah. The military are behind it, direct energy weapons. Uh, there were some scenes in Maui, and, I, and, and then somebody was first showing this hit on a town. It ends up it had nothing to do with Maui. It was Indonesia or someplace else. And then somebody else provided a... a 
an image from space where it was a green uh, direct energy weapon pointed at Maui. And sometimes with all the AI, you don't know, are people making this up? And, you know, is it real? It's going to be time will tell. I'm I'm yeah. hoping that there will be those who are experts in this, uh, in that area of it. You're an expert in one area and all of the information you have brought to us has absolutely been so essential uh, because you can call out one one section of this. You are, uh, you know, an expert in the way that uh, trees burn, leaves, the water content of them. And I think that that part has been so helpful. And I'm hoping this will be a baton that we're passing to someone else to say, look, we really need an expert to now start speaking on logically and maybe providing some evidence uh, as to how they're doing this and what technologies are behind it. Okay. Um, uh, is there a way that this information could be used by people who lost their homes in these fires to come against government forces that are likely doing this damage are there, are there any lawsuits? And at this point, um, I would say yes, eventually, if somebody is going to sue the government, but the other evidence I was talking about needs to come into play. We need to find out the facts of exactly how is this being done. And uh, Robert had said, you know, it's not a boogeyman that's out there. It's our government, but we need, we need proof and evidence as to that. We know there's the harms. Yep. I believe that's the hardest thing is trying to confront them. You have to have all the facts, some great lawyers, uh, massive scientists in a group, <laughs> soil engineers, uh, chemists, microwave tech people, um, and people that know their metals like crazy. I mean, there's a lot in electrical. You really need a panel of experts to confront them. I just showed the evidence of what's not normal on the foliage, on the plant kingdom. Mm-hmm. They're not going to trick me on the plant kingdom. I've done this too too many years. Um, right. And, you know, out of the blue, this just shows up. Yeah. Uh, I was beyond words seven years ago. No doubt. No doubt. And it's good that you have a platform now to be um, warning people and alerting them to what uh, the anomalies are, what to look for, and what to videotape. Grab the evidence, as you've mentioned, and eventually there's going to be mayors, there's going to be city councils, there's going to be whistleblowers. And so, you know, I'm I'm calling on you whistleblowers, you who have been, uh, you know, at the level with the fire chiefs, like this fire chief we were just mentioning in the um, article that went to the UN, he's from Kelowna. Well, isn't that just something where it's one of the worst fires, you know, that we had in uh, Canada? I don't think it's a coincidence, but there must be whistleblowers who have some sort of uh, emails, correspondence, information that can begin to unfold the corruption that's going on within government. And so we're asking for people to do that. Um, Terenzio, we had a video from Shushwap. Would you please uh, play that? It was what was taking place, um, a news report. All right. Have you got that queued up okay? It is the first time they're seeing what was their home. This Celista couple, too emotional to speak on camera, saying they're still absorbing the loss. They are among hundreds of North Shuswap residents who lost homes to the raging Bush Creek East wildfire. We've gone through the process of allowing those that uh, lost structures to privately have time to see their properties uh, through these last couple of days. We are now moving into a re-entry phase. Michelle Schutzass is one of those re-entering the fire-ravaged area. It was parking for them and us. 
That's our trailer, and then beyond is us. Her recreational property is still standing, but her neighbors, just a few meters away, burned to the ground. I don't want to call it survivor's guilt, but there, I, I do feel just, just, as I said, grateful. I don't know why ours survived. This is Solista Place, a residential street that was absolutely obliterated, with pretty much every home here, about a dozen of them, destroyed. The fire sparing next to nothing on the street, where homes once stood, nothing but piles of ashes now, mangled sheets of metal and scorched vehicles. Only a few remnants remain as reminders of the pre-fire life here, like this sign alerting motorists to kids playing in the neighborhood, and these colorful patio chairs with beautiful vistas of Shuswap Lake. <laughs> it's... There you go. There you, you go. go. Okay, so Robert, Blatant. please, you know, comment. Comment on what Blatant. went on here in Canada and Shushwap. Oh, as blatant as can be. They never talk about, wow, a lot of trees didn't burn up here. They're just brown. They never talk about the trees. Uh, plastic chairs everywhere and pl synthetic flags. Oh, my God. It's right in front of our face, and they don't even know mm -hmm. it. They're told what to say. Uh, same thing. Every, every picture there, pines in the background, dead but not burned. And the poor people that lost their homes. Pines on every single side. Like, really? What kind of forest fire does that? It's really blatant to my eyes, and I wish people could really see this. Uh, I show you my very first picture of what a real forest fire looks like. That's the way they are. And I've only seen three of those out of 35. And right. the other day, we did our last trip, 108 trips now, uh, to all these after a mess. Okay, at the uh, beginning of your presentation, forgive me, but my uh, sound had gone off. Like I say, I've had a little bit of technical difficulties here in the background. Don't want to say anybody's interfering, but you know, <laughs> um, I just wanted to see, d did you cover anything on the Canadian fires in Quebec or in the Maritimes? I didn't know where they were. All the pictures I got were just Canada, somewhere in the whole country. I don't know where they all came okay. from. Okay. Okay. I just looked for the anomalies um, that stood out in my mind so I could talk about them. Okay, so yeah, I'm, I'm sad that I missed that because I know there was a multitude of fires that were started all at the same time. And it created yeah. havoc. The New York, the United States, you know, was complaining about the smoke. I mean, it caused so much distress to citizens. And... Um, then, you know, bringing it back to British Columbia again, I happened to be in the Merritt area and I was staying with family and all of a sudden the fires were breaking out in Kelowna and then as well in Shushwap and another section and you felt the weight of what was going on. You, you, you listen to the people in these small towns and thankfully the majority of them, as they were talking, knew something very sinister was afoot. In the Shushwap area, the RCMP were prohibiting individuals from going in and fighting these fires. And actually, Trenzio, can we bring up the, my webpage for a minute? Because I just want to show the action that I sent out and just to encourage people, if this is your first time, uh, watching this. Am I on Trenzio? Yes. 
sorry i can't see all screens right now because of everything and so we always put out a weekly action update when we have a guest on and so we create a, a specific page with the bio etc for our guest and then a second page to help you within 10 minutes read through information that's so compelling you'll sit back and you go okay i've been educated i i'm in 10 minutes i've been educated about things i didn't uh, previously know about and then you can even do a deeper dive you could spend hours on this page and uh like if you uh were doubting it go in and listen to what Dan Dix uh, shows about the shoe shop fires, about the RCMP preventing uh, people from coming in. And they were saying they were preventing people from looting. I mean, the people that were the, the uh, residents had soot and ash and everything all over them. And they weren't allowed to bring their fuel in to keep their generators going, uh, water in, food in. And so when questioning the RCMP, it's like, you know, why, why are you doing this? And they said orders, like we're just orders. following orders. Does that yep. sound familiar? And then yep, as same. we go down, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll just do this highlight and then we'll come back. And then as we go down, we go to the uh, Mont Lake, uh, Monte Lake fires that were from a couple of years ago. Again, it was a fire that started out small. The ranchers, they're, they're prepared. They're qualified. They have their excavators and bulldozers. They were ready to go in. And again, the RCMP prohibited them. And the amount of acreage that it ended up uh, destroying because they waited 48 hours. Uh, and as they, you know, the person in this documentary said, because of red date bureaucracy. And then the other one is, if um, our viewers are not aware, the other thing that's behind this is that the government already has a national emergency response system. But in, in response to all of these fires and all this climate change, they are developing a national disaster response agency, which is the Canadian version of FEMA. And uh, okay, thank you, Terenzio. We'll go back to uh, the screen now. And, and you know, what we're looking at here, uh, when we see the response from FEMA in Maui, and we see the response that the government has taken place to have RCMP. I, if somebody wants to go in and fight a fire and the ranchers want to do that when a fire is small, they are way more well-equipped throughout history to put a fire out quicker than waiting on the gov government response. And um, yeah. so anyways, what do you know about yeah. the FEMA? They, <laughs> a lot. They want it to burn, of course. They don't want anybody near it. And they always say it's for your safety. No, they want it to burn. Um, a Hel Helen, a lady named Helen, up by the town of Darwin, way up north in Canada, her husband and her own a fleet of water trucks delivering water all over the county, I guess. And they wanted to help out. They were told they couldn't use their water trucks. They couldn't fight the fire. And I've talked to her personally uh, way up there. Uh, 14 hours north of Vancouver, that's what she said. But they're doing this everywhere. These are just government constructs put together to take away our rights, our freedoms, um, stop us from putting out fires, take away our all our rights. I mean, that's what they're designed for. And they always say, we're just following orders. It's for your safety. All of that is a lie. We don't need any of these groups. You're right. One of our fires out of Lake Berryessa here, we have a giant reservoir. It was a huge fire. I think 1,500 homes burned. Uh, the fire trucks didn't even drive down one of the main streets. It never went by. Right. If they did, it kept on going past the fire. The ranchers came out with all the tractors they had, made fire lines. They put the fire out. The ranchers did. Yep. And the fire people are told to stand down. Cal Fire well, says, we're in charge. All the little guys stand down. We're, we're taking over. They do nothing. Cal Fire is evil in California. They're just evil. Well, 
And another thing I'll add is that what just made me go out of my mind as, uh, you know, as, as I was away in the Merritt area, there were the massive water trucks. Apparently they're about a hundred thousand dollars each. And everybody is on, uh, you know, in that area, farmland in a well system. And there were trucks going back and forward every day because they'd signed a contract with one of the farmers whose well serviced all of the residents in that community on their properties. And they were hauling water off. Guess where they were taking it while all these fires were, were going on around us. We've got the uh, pipe pipeline going in right now. They were taking the water and spraying it on the dirt on the pipeline for workers. But worse than that, to keep the dust down on the weekend when there were no workers even on site. And so the water was depleting. It's an underground resource. And yet you've got communities completely on fire and you're doing nothing to assist them. And and so when they talk about the bureaucracy and the government getting in the way, uh, we got to call on Canadians we got to call on Canadians, you know, don't take the money. Don't, uh, you know, sign up and agree, say no, this is your country too. And, you know, by participating in this all for the almighty dollar, you are part of the destruction of Canada. And, uh, you know, we, we need all Canadians on deck. All right. So uh, any more that you wanted to add ab about FEMA? Um, I'd be very interested uh, knowing yeah, that now just... they want to bring this into Canada. Yeah, when you see the FEMA workers, and I've heard a lot. Many of the female workers are foreigners, a, a big percentage of them. Well, we don't even know what their language is. We don't even know. They don't care anything about America. They come in, make top, top dollar, keeping us from our homes, uh, making rules out of the blue. And since they're like federal, we have to listen to everything. All your local sheriffs and cops and fire departments are always told to stand down. They, they're going to take over from now. And they don't do anything. They let everything burn. They don't let anybody in there then make all these rules up where you can't go in and see your property. It, it's the same everywhere. They're just evil. And everything comes back to the billionaires. These are all the, um, the many arms or legs of the billionaires. They orchestrate right. everything. Um, governments well, are just public. They want our property. And uh, yeah. I love it because next week I'm going to have David Lindsay on the show and we're going to be talking about the coronation oath. And uh, within the coronation oath, it says that uh, Canada must be ruled by biblical principles and values. It's, uh, you know, we talk, we can talk about immigration. We can talk about property rights. Uh, you know, there's so many things that are involved in this. And David has uh, repeatedly talked about uh, our property rights. The government, as much as they want to make up these pretend this pretend legislation, uh, they're in violation of our rights. And unless Canadians, for for knowledge of for lack of knowledge, people will perish. And and that's one of the reasons why Action for Canada is having you know someone like yourself come on, David Lindsay, etc., because uh, we've got to be able to go in and challenge our elected officials. Uh, the people in Kelowna have to go in and challenge the fire chief. They should be bringing this video in the last time that you were on. I think we're over 124,000 views on that video. And we're asking everyone to share that with your elected officials and demand that they provide you a response. Ask them to investigate into what is going on and then see how the city is set up to participate and call them out on it. But I would love for somebody in Kelowna, we got a great, fantastic Action for Canada team in Kelowna who should make that a priority to find out who this chief is and say, you know what, I want you to respond to this information. Yeah. Um, if anybody wants to see another video, I did one on on Maui. The first one I did on Maui was with a lady named Melissa from Hawaii. 
and she actually used to live in paradise. That was only a month ago, and 430,000 people have watched the video, and 6,000 have commented. And I'm finding my name come up on all the different search engines everywhere. And she mm-hmm. talked, we talked the other day, and she said, millions of people have seen my video, not just her yes. website, but all these other, they're sharing it everywhere. I'm just a little small town botanist that happened to see anomalies. That's all I am. I'm no huge uh, fire captain or fire marshal or professor. I just see things that don't make sense. And, you know, I get a lot of flack from the comments from people. I don't even respond to them because they don't have a clue. They try to tell me what I'm not seeing or something. Like, they don't have a clue. Zero. (laughs) So I I probably... like to comment on them. I don't return their messages at all. No, it's not worth it. You know, back in uh, 2020, I wrote a report called uh, Government Corruption, Including with a Foreign Syndicate. As soon as uh, the uh, COVID mandates had started to come in, the propaganda. And because I've been at this eight years, I knew instantly. So uh, by April, May of 2020, I was warning people, get back to work. Don't, you know, listen to the government. Uh, There's nothing to be concerned about. And people would email and say, oh, you know, I hope you get COVID and your family gets COVID. I hope you die. Anyways, I thought that's okay because they've been brainwashed in a year. Let's hear what they have to say in two years. And of course, a lot of those people are waking up. And if you're one of them and you want to call, send me a message and apologize. You know, I would love it. That would be a good healing thing to do. But I wasn't worried about it. I didn't take it personally uh, because I knew they'd been deceived. The next step as well was I was years ahead in uh, trying to reveal what was going on in the schools. And again, people would call me homophobic or a racist or whatever. But I thought (laughs) in time... They will know. And so, Robert, just know that your work is so essential. It's so appreciated. It took courage to do what you do. Uh, you know, I know what kind of courage it takes to step up and do this. But you've always all, almost got to go in with an I don't care mentality. And and the reason is, is because by doing this, we have the opportunity to save lives, to save our countries, to get bad people removed from office and this gives the um, evidence in order for them and others who are going to be experiencing fires to collect information and evidence as well to hold I, individuals right. uh, responsible. I think that day is coming. You know, I really I, do. I, yeah, I really hope everybody gets out there right after these fires are out as fast as they can. Take pictures and notice notice things. Keep your eyes awake. Look at the trucks coming out. What are they hauling out? What's in the back of them? Where are they dumping this stuff? And what is is this stuff? Take note of all these people and what they're doing. Um, we need more eyes on the ground everywhere instead of people watching TV and going right back to their ball game. That's yep. the worst thing. And that's why in America, back in the 80s, we had a president that deregulated our, our media. And we used to have over 2,000 corporations with media channels. And there was 50 big ones that owned most of it. Well, when it was deregulated, four people bought out all of America's media. Now we're only up to six. And when you control the media, you're controlling 75% of everybody's head or more. Maybe I'm off on those numbers. Everybody I know doesn't get it. They think I'm crazy. I have very few old friends that are awake to what I tell them. And they know my back. It doesn't matter. They just think I'm off base and crazy. Like, oh, well. It's easier to bury. I, I think some of it is because people are having a really difficult time 
excuse me, Maybe. coping. And it's easier for them to bury their head in the sand to think that, you know, you're onto something. And uh, many months ago, I, I had a pastor on, he wrote a book called uh, The Duty of the Lesser Magistrate. And it is, I was reading a little bit of it today, and it talked about, uh, you know, somebody like this fire chief, that if he knows something sinister is going on, he needs to step up and call it out. And the duty of the lesser magistrate means that you will uh, speak out against your authorities. And sometimes it's this, uh, an authority uh, speaking out against uh, a subordinate. And you are somebody that, you know, has... Uh, ringing the warning bells, you're teaching people how to deal with this issue. And I think, as I mentioned a minute ago, it's really going to pay off, uh, Robert. Let me just see. Um, okay. Oh, I see. Um, somebody was asking as well. And I encourage everyone, like I say, the last video that we shared when Robert was on, as well as this one, we'll have it up on our Rumble page tomorrow. If, you're, if you haven't subscribed to our Rumble, uh, we can't be on YouTube. Yeah, YouTube uh, uh, seems to uh, dislike the things that we report on very early on. I don't know how some of the people reporting on the same stuff I do get million views and are on YouTube uh, because they just uh, refuse. So Rumble is our place to go. So please sub subscribe to Rumble. We've got lots of good things that we post on there in between the Empower Hours and other information. And, and so we encourage you to do that. But then take this information and send it to the forest industries. Send it to your mayors and city councils. Fire. I'm just going to repeat that again and other individuals and ask them. Yeah, fire insurance. Fire insurance. That's uh, ah. insuring your house for a fire. They're all dropping off. They don't want to do it anymore. Send them all this stuff. Maybe there's some investigators, forensic fire uh, insurance investigators that want to find out why your house burned down. Well, I've got all the evidence. I don't know if that'll help. Um, but that's another area that needs to be addressed. I Very got good point. And they might all go out of business and the new insurance might be state owned. And who knows what restrictions they'll put on it. No, you can't live 10 miles away from the city anymore. We won't insure you. Who knows what rules they're going to push on us with this, this new fires. That's what I call them. Well, it's it's as well as that, as you and I discussed the last time you were on the show about uh, now all of the new qualifications for building a home. And <laughs> if you happen to be in these areas having fire retardant siding, you have to put sprinkler systems in and cost you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. And yet uh, what you're telling us is that has nothing to do with how these fires will ignite or how your home will be affected. And so no, it's already... No. <laughs> yeah, the most BC. fire retardant and the most fire retardant materials you have, metal houses and bricks, they actually burn first. And your wood, dry wood houses with no bolts, just glue, probably wouldn't burn up at all. <laughs> yeah, right. it's opposite. The new construction is the first house they would burn up, but they wouldn't burn those up because they're mostly mega stack and pack cities designed for the future. They just right. want us out of the countryside um, worldwide. Yeah, well, I think, uh, like I say, um, I'm hoping and praying that by having people like you on the show and getting this information out, we're really covering a lot, uh, everything that uh, all of the uh, 
I, I call it like an uh, octopus and all the tentacles and the different ways that they're trying to force people into 15 minute cities. And so we've oh had Tom God. Harris on with, uh, who's an expert in climate change. Tom is just absolutely amazing. Uh, we've had a lady named Lisa on a lawyer to talk about the C40 plan. You know, you'll only be allowed to buy three items of clothing. You'll have no meat, no eggs, no milk and, uh, you know, vehicles, etc. And, uh, we've had Jeff Snicer on. And again, that video is is uh, up to 70, 80,000 views. So I'm really, really uh, grateful that uh, the experts will come on and uh, that you're courageous in doing this and really appreciate it. And that's why I ask everybody, please share this information. All of the videos that I've just mentioned are on our webpage under current issues under 15 minute cities, and then take those videos and start sharing them with your mayor and city council. And we're going to have a brand new package coming out to support our 15 minute city notice of liability. So Action for Canada is here not to just report on what's happening, but we want to tangibly provide you the steps to take action within your own community. And that goes back to our um, chapters, which we showed you the map at the beginning of this. We have uh, over 110 chapters nationwide. And uh, the globalists have said, the UNWF had said that the control is within the cities. That's how they're gonna reach the people. And uh, so we gotta be listening. <laughs> and reacting and responding and we got to take back every level of government starting um, with school boards I, and municipalities I, I had one more thought <clears throat> i've seen all of my videos on DuckDuckGo. for whatever reason DuckDuckGo. i don't know how many videos i've done but every single one is on there even the little tiny home uh, santa rosa one i did like wow uh, so if people want to see more of what i've done it's a lot of the same stuff uh, generally California fires, mostly my photos, yeah. but look on DuckDuckGo, just punch in the word forensic arborist Robert. That's it. And Excellent. the first 20 are mine. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, that's awesome to know. It's a very good point because uh, I was searching some things the other day on Google and it was not a shock to me, but everything was exactly what the government wanted me to see. Not what I was ser searching for. Uh, I know it's down deep in there somewhere, probably a thousand links uh, below. Um, but uh, yeah, we're definitely living in unprecedented times. So Robert, in closing, is there anything else that uh, you would like to add? Well, I'd like everybody to get out there and uh, do whatever they can at their level. Talk to everybody on the street. Talk to everybody you know. One-on-one, -on -one, we have to get the word out. Once in a while, we'll get to key figures that can do a lot more than we can, but we can't sit idle and let this go. Um, like Edward Griffin from The Creature of Jekyll Island, he wrote that book, he interviewed me, and he says, we can't let this go. This is too valuable. So yeah. get the word out to everybody. Don't stay safe and and go play on the railroad tracks. And uh, I hate to hear that, stay safe, be safe, drive safe. I can't oh. stand it. That's another media thing. Go break it's a leg. Get out there, get out there and, and get it That's done. That's right. Get out there, be <laughs> courageous. And courage, right. is contagious. Right. courage is contagious. Did you know that? <laughs> That's another reason to be courageous. Well, thank you so much, Robert, my friend. We look forward to having you back on. If you've got any news, uh, new things to report, any new research that you get into, reach out, let us know, and we'll have you back on the show. So just God bless you and okay. thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for this moment. All right.
All right. Well, thank you, everybody. What a tremendous uh, show tonight. This is really important information. I can't emphasize how in, in, in vital it is that you share this uh, with the individuals that I've mentioned, elected officials, fire chiefs, insurance companies. I thought that was a very good point that Robert has uh, brought up. All right. So uh, our guest next week, as I mentioned, is going to be David Lindsay. We're going to be uh, focusing on immigration in the next couple of weeks uh, because as as you know, we're being flooded uh, with immigrants. This is being done intentionally. It's part of the Global Compact on Migration and 17 Sustainable Development Goals. They want to remove our borders. Back in 2017, 18, uh, you know, there was uh, people from organizations here in Canada, including myself, that were trying to ring the warning bell and bring attention to this Global Compact. And the very fact that they're removing our, wanting to remove our borders, uh, make migration easy, and then uh, it was very clear in the their commitment to give these migrants uh, more funding, more support, more time uh, than they do uh, Canadians. And so we're seeing that uh, act out in real life and more and more Canadians can no longer deny it. And so please make sure that you join us next week. I'm going to be, uh, you know, I used to have a, sh a program called Taboo Talks with Tanya on Tuesday. And unfortunately, I don't have the time to keep that going. That Taboo Talks is is exactly it. You've got to remember that through COVID, you were brainwashed into believing uh, a, a scenario through fear-mongering. You have been conditioned to think a certain way. And so we're going to be talking about multiculturalism, that Canada isn't a multicultural nation. We're a culture, we're a nation with many cultures, big difference. And that multiculturalism worldwide is known as a failure if the host country's values are not being embraced. It's pretty common sense stuff. And that with immigration, it should be expected that people uh, integrate and assimilate. Um, otherwise, why are they coming here? Why are they bringing their failed foreign systems of governments and belief systems into Canada, which is part of uh, the destruction? of our fine nation. And so in love, we're going to be calling this out and having a conversation. So your knee-jerk reaction, because of all the brainwashing and conditioning, may be to reject what I'm saying, but I'm asking you to have an open mind and uh, just maybe, you know, look into the information that we're going to be providing you so that you can make uh, an informed decision. All right. So our Bible verse uh, this week is from Amos 4.13. God is the one who made the mountains. He created the wind. He lets people know his thoughts. He changes the darkness into dawn. He walks over the mountains of the earth. His name is Yahweh, Lord God, all-powerful. And I want to emphasize the word all-powerful. And uh, God is perfectly in control of everything that is going on. As I've said time and time again, I encourage you because he does uh, allow bad things to happen. He does allow bad leaders to rise up. And it's generally throughout history is when uh, a country has turned their back on God. So uh, this is a warning sign for us. God is giving us time to turn things around and we got to get back to the Bible. We got to get back to some good godly principles and we've got to honor those. Uh, I don't know about you, but... Justin Trudeau and the rest of them calling us a secular nation. It all ends in secularism. And anything that ends in an ism does not include freedom and democracy. So those are just a few words for you to ponder. I hope you will join us next week. I'm going to look forward to it. God bless you and God bless Canada.
other again and love on each other and give each other the help when they're down. Thank you.